How do I reintegrate this part of me that got really hurt, injured, wounded, scared, fucked by that experience? And then through through new relationships and new moments, I mean, hopefully, um, we get to experience something new that's reparative. Mm -hmm. But we will also experience more ruptures too. Yeah. And so it's, um, yeah, that just that, that like integration process of like that, that willingness to, to your point, look at those, those uncomfortable, scary things. Who can we look at those things with? Like, is it a therapist? Is it a minister? Is it a trusted loved one? Is it a friend? Is it a family member? Like who are the people who we can like sit with and be, real with and yeah. practice being loved with citizen podcast welcome to citizen podcast i'm carrie kelly this final podcast of the year is with my dear friend shannon algio author meditation teacher therapist and also my neighbor in this podcast, we get personal and reflect on our experience of living together and surviving the many pandemics of the last few years and what it looks like to really look out and care for each other through uncertain times. We talked about how having hard conversations and giving critical feedback is actually a radical form of care. It affirms that we matter to each other and it's how we build trust and community together. This conversation is intimate and important in how it invites us to really live into the spirit of community care that we are so desperately trying to co-create. Check it out. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Carrie. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. Finally, I want to just say, like, I've been wanting to do this since February of 2020. Oh, my gosh. That was well, when your book came out. Yep. March 1st. March 1st. But yeah, like same. a fucking lifetime ago, let's be clear. It feels like years ago to me. So wait, it came out March 1st, 2020. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic hit like two weeks later. Yeah. Uh, yes. No. Was it in the middle? No, yeah. that Wasn't that what happened? Oh my gosh. That's what my happened. Book, no, my book came out this year. See, I don't know what years are anymore. Your book my came book out in 2021? March first 2021 <laughs> okay. so yeah you're not that late to the party it's <laughs> not so weird time is like a different thing now yeah no literally i didn't even register to me because 2020 and 2021 are like the, the same, same thing year. and mm -hmm. yet completely different i'm not even ready actually maybe we should process 2021 but i haven't begun it yet like this is the end of the year you know processing 2020 was like was hard but but maybe more clear in strange ways, this year has been weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I don't even, I don't know what else to say. Well, it just, I, I don't know if it's just me and what I've got going on in my life, but this year, literally when my book came out this year, which again, if I which thought I... it was last year when you told me it was last year. I was like, uh-huh. It was last year because <laughs> March, 2021 was a year and a half ago. I don't know. Yeah. That's how long this year has been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So time is something that we're adapting to new relationship with time. I mean, doesn't that feel like a thing that totally for at me, at least for me, like, yeah, well, and, and we've just been kind of cooped up for a really long time. And, um, in some ways time feels so slow and in other ways time feels so much faster. And I, I literally can't tell which it is. That's where I, I usually am in that place of it feels slow and fast but right now, I just feel slow. For the, I, I, I don't get it. I think it just feels weird, and I don't understand what's happening and why there's only a couple of days left in 20, 2021. And that 2022 is next. Like, I'm just like, how did we get here, Shannon? Um, what many people don't know about us mm. is that we're neighbors. We're more, I actually want to say we're more than neighbors. We're probably more like, roommates but like not entirely roommates but we share a wall like we're intimate neighbors yeah like we're not roommates but we're not neighbors 
<laughs> we're going to start like a whole slew of rumors about this. So we're in a commune together and it's a, no. Basically. Basically. But no. <laughs> but yeah, so we, um, we have been here now for two and a half years together and, and through a pandemic in this, you know, unique formation of like being neighbors and roommates and whatever, whatever label we want to put on this. Mm-hmm. And I was reflecting as I was preparing for this interview um, how valuable that experience has been for me, mm. especially in the context of like facing this totally weird, horrible, uncertain, you know, global event, which which was which was the pandemic and then all the other pandemics that were happening simultaneously. Mm-hmm. But how are living in proximity to one another, and Trevor obviously is here with us too, taught me a lot about community and mutual care, like the role and the possibility that community care offers in times of great uncertainty and chaos. Yeah. Yeah. And you're good at it. I'm good at what? Community care. Because I cook for you. That's the only reason you're (laughs) saying that, because I make food and I bring it over to you. That definitely happens. Um, and thank you. It's really good, by the way. You get a chance to eat some Kerry Kelly food. Um, but like the, because at first we would only go grocery shopping every three, once every three weeks. Like we would try and buy as many groceries as we could to avoid going out in public, you know, in, in March, actual March, 2020. Yeah. And we would check in and be like, what do you need? What do you like? That's right. I'll do you need like I'm gonna make tons of groceries? I'll get all of them. Like send me a list. Yeah. And I feel like people should know that like the we 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 live in Los Angeles, but we actually live in the mountains. Like, which in a million years when I met you five years ago, I would never have dreamed of like, I'm gonna move to a house in the mountains with Shannon Algio. (laughs) And yet here we are. So we were far, it's also relevant that we were far from um, grocery stores and from like, you know, public interaction. We were kind of like in this like secluded little neighborhood where we could hide away while all of this was happening. So yeah, you would make a trip down to the valley. That's what we call it. Mm -hmm. And check in on me and be like, what do you need? And I'd be like, a bottle of tequila is the first thing that comes to mind. (laughs) IPA. (laughs) Do you need any food? (laughs) Yeah. All right, spinach. You know, (laughs) spinach and tequila. I'm like, all right. (laughs) But that was super helpful, you know, like being able to um, have each other's backs in that simple kind of way. I would have been screwed. But I would have been screwed if I moved to Topanga as a single person. Without you and Trevor, I would have been alone during the pandemic. And we had like the groceries is one thing. And I that's know. very practically helpful. But like we would have dinners. Yeah. We would barbecue. Yeah. I would like sit on the hammock and Trevor would walk around the corner with an IPA. <laughs> and I'd be like, he was like, What are you doing? I'm just like reading another book. That's like, right. I don't know what I'm doing. Like Well, and I'm even thinking about like how helpful it was to have someone else to talk to as we were navigating like what is this what are we allowed to do what are the new rules can we leave our home can we come back where can we go you know you got a ticket climbing up a mountain oh my gosh <laughs> like hiking up a mountain was like forbidden at one point in Los Angeles and Shannon felt the burden of that our uh, yeah a mountain time. in our own neighborhood that's right of all people you're like the only one but you got you got got yeah, well, that because that was during the pandemic when we were in lockdown. Yeah, and parks were closed, state parks were closed, beaches were closed. Yeah, it drove me nuts because people were like, you know, packed in a coffee shop in Venice getting coffee <laughs> with masks. But on. I couldn't be alone <laughs> on meditating a on a canyon. <laughs> Shannon, coffee is serious. Okay, don't fuck with coffee. Yes, exception <laughs> shall be made <laughs> for coffee. For coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to just say like all of those those little things, right? Yes, yeah, so you're right. There's like the practical things of like I needed medicine and you had it or something like that. Those things were happening all the time. And or when I got on a plane for the first time and you gave me one of those really big helmets. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I have an extra helmet. I was like, great. And that was the most ridiculous look of my life. But I'm also just thinking about how we made 
memories during a really difficult time and the dance parties we had and the sing-alongs and mm. the barbecues and yeah the the many 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 meals that we like cooked sunset walks and hikes when totally. we could finally hike yeah. and and we've also been through we've done two evacuations because that's right we've had fires that's right that's a whole other level of, i feel like community resilience like mm -hmm. when someone in and we live in topanga which is like a hardcore wildfire canyon and you know we've had people come to our door at three o'clock in the morning and knock and say there's a fire three miles away, we're going to have to evacuate, you know? And that's when I woke you up and I said, yeah. <laughs> basically, I was like, because you share a wall and you live here, you will be evacuating, but we will not leave without you, Shannon. Get up. I just hear, Shannon, fire! <laughs> I like, I lived here for like that's 20 right. days. I was like, what is happening? That's my not so regulated nervous system <laughs> responding to a wildfire. Oh, because you're good in an emergency. I'm a good emergency person, Like, yeah. people might assume this about you. Like, I might have assumed it about you. But, like, you are, like, full-on, like, firefighter. It makes so much sense that you do, like, community organizing and yeah. the work that you do. Because you're, like, on Twitter, you know what this person is saying. You know what you like. You know how to, like, yeah. get information fast yeah. and respond. And I kick into action very quickly. And, you know, you learn a lot about yourself when you're like, life is being threatened, right? Yeah. And so that was, I, I didn't even think about that. So we had like the pandemic of the pandemic, but we also had the pandemic pandemic of like many wildfires, right? Mm -hmm. Tearing through our backyard, you know, mm -hmm. and last year it almost burned our house down, you know, mm -hmm. in May. So, yo, it's okay. So I forgot about that part. And then I'm also thinking about. Well, and also the, I mean, the pandemic, obviously of like systemic racism yeah. and we, broke quarantine and went into Hollywood right. and our marched first, together. Our first break of quarantine was to, to go to the protest around George Floyd. That's totally right. And you and I also did election defense, remember? Oh my gosh. <laughs> we oh did my. on election day in Beverly Hills. We, <gasps> when we all defended, those Trump, we defended the Beverly Hills polling station <laughs> as we were assigned to do. Which I just want to say may sound ridiculous to people, but Beverly Hills was like an area in Los Angeles where an entire Trump constituency, you know, Proud Boys constituency was parked throughout the entire summer leading up to the election, right? Yep. So like, so like it was like a, strangely, it was like a hotbed for confrontation. And we signed up to defend the polls and to be, you know, mediators and uh, de-escalators and make sure people felt safe going to the polls and weren't being intimidated by... Yeah, all of that. Yeah, because literally, literally, like, not even a block away from that polling station, there was, like, a barricaded parade of, like, people and trucks going by and... Um, weird. It was back, weird. It's back to, like, this has been a weird... <laughs> this is a weird year. <laughs> oh, and we... But we met... I met you in New York. Yeah. It was around the time that you were starting Citizen Well. Yep. It was around the time that I was starting my podcast, Soul Feed. Soul Feed. Yeah. And so, yeah, I never would have imagined this either. Right? Like, we come a long way, baby. We come along. <laughs> and I feel like we're revealing something to like the world. Like, Shannon and I live together. We share a wall. We share. <laughs> Currently, it's raining in Topanga, which never happens. And the wall is dripping. <laughs> when we have family dinner, Shannon's there. We've also like had Christmas and Thanksgiving together and all the mm -hmm, holidays, which has mm -hmm. been really beautiful. So, anyway, so I just want to say that like being in relationship with you in this way. Um, during a very difficult, you know, and profound time has really, um, you know, I understand intellectually, right, the idea of community care and mutual care, but I, I really understood it on a visceral and an embodied level mm. in my relationship with you, especially mm. given that we were, you know, constantly responding to threat in different ways. Um, and, um, and it's changed me, you know, like I think mm. about that different, like, you know, we're going to be moving soon and I'm away from you, which is going to break my heart. But I'm like, I'm going to cry. But like, what is like, I'm like, how do I recreate this? Um, you know, the, I don't know what to even call it because I don't want to like, I don't want to put a name on it. It's like, but how do I recreate this sense of like mutuality and community? Yeah, the collective care, yeah. like collective, like of shared experience. Totally. Totally. And shared care. Like, I've got you. Yeah. That's how I feel about you and Trevor and our, whatever the na name is for this, <laughs> is like, a, you know, like collective care. Like, I've got you. Well, and I also just want to say that um, the other thing that happens when you share a wall with someone is like, 
you're in really close quarters. Like, you know everything about me. Next to, like, Trevor and a couple, like, you know, girlfriends. You know what I mean? Like, you Mm. know as much about our life. You've you've seen us in, like, breakdown and temper tantrums. And you've heard us fight. And you've heard us love. And all of – you know what I'm saying? Like, there's also something about, like – allowing yourself to be witnessed when mm. you're living with community and and how you really have to have the deepest kind of trust mm. right to let yourself 24/7 be witnessed and be accompanied right yeah. by other people and that that too was i think really profound and i couldn't have i don't know that i would have I could have done that with anyone else, Shannon. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I couldn't do that with just anyone. And so it's it's a testament to who you are and to the the depth of our relationship. I love you and it's familial, you know? And yeah. and I'm um, like you will always be family now. Same. Like <laughs> like you're hooked. Like we went through the coronavirus pandemic together and and so much more. And it's um it's yeah, it's intimacy. Yeah. And it's not like I mean, not to make it sound like social media relating and learning is inherently bad, but it's not the same kind of intimacy as like sharing sound and meals and vibrations with people. Energy. Energy choices, holidays, like it's events, right? Like like, you know, threats, you know, um, celebrations, you know? I mean, you wrote a book in this house. Yeah, well, and that's what inspired... That's another reason I'm so grateful for you is when I... You found this house and and I was like looking to move to Topanga because I needed to ground myself to write the book. I was floating around. I was trying to be nomadic and I didn't know where I was going to write the book. The place I was thinking of writing the book in Hudson, New York fell through. Then I was like, okay, I got to go back to L.A., you were just looking for places in LA. And so I was like, where can I cuss on this podcast? Uh absolutely. Where the fuck <laughs> am I gonna write this book? Yeah. I and and my nervous system needs to be grounded yeah. in order for me to do it. I knew that. Um and you said we're looking for places in Topanga. There might be an extra room, there might be an extra guest house, there might be an extra something. And I remember looking at you. I think we were on the beach for your birthday. Yeah. And I was like, if you find something, I'm in. And I just felt such a, um, I knew it would be good with you. I knew that I could trust you. And so for both of us to come here with this intention to complete this commitment to our books so, has also been. It's been so special. And you know what's yeah. so funny is that I was looking at another place at the time when I was like, would you consider living with us in this suite in an, a, a house that we were going to get? And um, and that fell through. And so then we got this place not knowing like we got this place and there was the unit next door was already, you know, inhabited. And the first day we got here, we were moving in and she said, Michelle next door is moving out. Mm. It was just so, wow. it was so magical. And I texted you right away and I said, I have the perfect person for that place. And I think you had it a week later. Yeah. It was fucking perfect. So anyway, so I just want to also speak to the like, you know, I don't think you can do this with just anyone, right? And it's a practice, right? Learning how to like hold one another in intimacy, learning how to hold one another in like the full spectrum of like emotion and response, you know, and and life and life's experiences. And it's a privilege to know people. Yeah. Like, I think that that's what I'm so grateful for is I feel like you really know me. And I really know you, yeah. like on a on a on a level that you could really only experience if you like enter a family with someone. Totally, <laughs> like, totally. And it's it's um not always easy, but it is a privilege. And I mean, I love it. Like mm-hmm. it's like I think that's like what I, I that's what I want to live for is mm-hmm. real relationships where I see and feel and know who people actually are. And when you were speaking about social media, you're right. Like so much of our interaction now is performed, right? We're performing 
um, or we're, we're demonstrating who we want to be the most perfect aesthetic, you know, woke sounding version of ourself on social media mm-hmm. to get usually to get a response or to get a rise out of people or to be validated, right? Like all of the social media research is showing that that's sort of a lot of the motivation for many of us and how we get hooked mm. by that, you know, that, that drug and, this is so different than that. Like I didn't get to perform for like it was like you like here I am. <laughs> Here's me in my messiest self. Here's me in my pajamas. Here's me. Sometimes I I I would go outside and water the plants in my underwear. Hey Shannon, what's up? <laughs> Just watering the basil, dear. Just, Just getting some limes from the lime tree in my underwear. You know. I'm like, oh, there's Carrie get, grabbing a lime. Okay. <laughs> Guess she's making a salad. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, so anyway, so like what you're speaking to about, like, um, it was just making me really reflect on intimacy, not like in the way that we think about it romantically, but like intimacy of relationship, intimacy mm-hmm. of truth, right? Mm-hmm. Intimacy of like letting ourselves be like fully, fully, fully seen. Yeah. And, 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 um, and received, right? And I just want to say, like, this is this feels like such a good segue to your book, mm. um, right? Because you write so much about that, about like living your truth. Your book is called to "Trust Your Truth," right? And 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 I feel like this book is an invitation for us to like not just trust our knowing, but to like allow ourselves to be seen and to be felt. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 what is it? What does it look like to like you were just talking about the projection that we put on social media of what we want people to know about who we are, what we want to what we want to present to the world, and I mean that can be beautiful because it's like yeah. what we're aspiring towards. Yeah. I mean, it can also not be beautiful. Well, especially during be... a pandemic where there's social distancing, right? Like that was like a lifeline for so many people. Of connection, of conversation, yeah. of learning, of education, of seeing what's happening globally, of all types of resonance that would be shielded from people if there weren't social media. Like, but in, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll maybe talk about this, but like, um, I'm studying depth psychology, which is Carl Jung. And it's like the persona is that is the stuff we want, we want to see and we want other people to see. And then the shadow is everything that we want to hide, ignore, disown, mm-hmm. disconnect from. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's um, when you're in real relationship with someone and when you're exploring your relationship with truth, you're actually saying like, I want to see the shadow. And yeah, like everyone has a persona. You can't not have a persona. It's like, that's what it is to put yourself out into the world. But what is it like to yeah, I mean, it's it's shadow work, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, truth work is shadow work mm-hmm. because it's a commitment to saying, I'm willing to see... All of you. All of you. All of me. And it's a commitment to the whole, W-H-O-L-E, like, yeah. instead of just the pieces, the the fractions, the fragments of of who we are. And, and I think, is, I mean, that's what healing is, is yeah. becoming whole. So, yeah, tr- I mean, truth is like this... I think it's a commitment and a willingness to see more clearly, mm-hmm. even as we, you know, can never quite see mm-hmm. fully. Well, and to, I feel like also to to reveal, you know, I'm just thinking about love too, right? When you're in relationship, and this kind of goes back to what we were saying about intimacy and being neighbors around like how um, like real love um, is is being willing to like reveal your shadow and trust that the other person will love you anyway. It's mm. like, will you love me even in my shadow? Will you love me even in my darkest places? Right. And how and how hard that it right? Like how hard that can be in relationship. And and I and, and the other way around, like, can I love you? Can I love you at your messiest? Right. Mm. Can I love you at your most fucked up? And um and how to me that's such like deep, that is deep work. Yeah, and deep repair. Yeah. Because it's like behind that persona, I just keep thinking of the social media and the photos we want people to see and the words we want people to read. And But underneath that fear of, oh, I don't want to present my shadow because then I won't be loved. Like there's a real injury there. And so to have the like 
the mm. luxury, the privilege, the honor of having relationships where you, where there can be repairs and say like, I'm going to, you can see all of me. You can see the shitty parts of myself. The, and when I say shitty, I mean like, you know, the shadow, the yeah. stuff that I'm working on, the stuff that I don't like, the mess. And to have the experience of someone loving you anyway, I mean, that's, we're all, we all come from these families where we have our own concoction of rupture. Totally. Um, and so. And conditional love. Conditional love. So how do we have new experiences when we're afraid for good reason? Maybe I'm saying we, I'm like, this is my experience is like, I'm afraid to show you a certain part of myself because I'm afraid if I, if I show you that, you won't love me. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And so then I create these defenses of like, no, 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 don't show that part. Mm -hmm. And then I'm being inauthentic. You're And you're making me think about self-love too now because I'm just thinking back to my my um, my ex-marriage. What is it called? My divorce. My The person I was married to and I'm no longer married to. <laughs> All of those things. Every single one of those. And I rarely talk about this on the podcast. So I'm like, what are my words? Um, use your words, Carrie. <laughs> but I'm just thinking about how um, so much of um, – um, so much of what I brought to why it didn't work out for us was my inability to love his shadow. And I, I can see now how that was directly related to my inability to love mine mm. and how mm. perfectionism and even like the self-help, like fix yourself culture had, had really like swept me off my feet so much so that like I couldn't I couldn't meet him where he was I couldn't accept him for who he was mm. all I wanted to do was change him in the way that I've been obsessively trying to change myself my whole life right mm. so I'm just thinking about mm. that too how like you you have to get right with yourself too right if you want to be the kind of person who can like love fully yeah yeah, and that's what's so challenging, I think, about relationship is you don't get to do one and then the other. We exist yeah. in relationship. And and that's the lie of individualism is like, let me go get perfect. Let me post my perfect self on social media. Let me have everyone want to like fucking bang me because I'm so hot online. And like... You are very cute online, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> but like... <laughs> Everyone follow oh, God. Shannon Algeo oh, God. on Instagram. Oh, it's God. amazing. Um, but then it's like, I don't know. I, I just lost my train of thought because now I can only think about <laughs> How me twerking online. and <laughs> your, your leaf dance. We won't talk about that. Oh, my. I have to send you the updated leaf dance. We won't talk about that. <laughs> I injured my eye at a wedding because it was at a conservatory. So there was a lot of plants. And I got down with a plant. The plant was my dance partner, and we got a little nasty. And it turns out you can't be reckless without consequences. <laughs> turns out the plant poked you in the eye. The plant poked me in the eye, but I'm and okay. that's not a metaphor. No. No. It's the most action I've gotten <laughs> since I moved in with Carrie Kelly. <laughs> Living with Carrie Kelly is great, but it may also come with celibacy. <laughs> Because you love me so much. For like, me. I can't have sex with anyone else. Um, no, that's a personal oh gosh, problem. That that's a personal so problem. It's not your fault. <laughs> I want to be the kind of person that inspires everyone to make mad love all the time with Same. all the things. But I'm glad you made mad love with a plant. I did. It was beautiful. <laughs> How very organic of you. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So to share this podcast... I will post a reel of the video of me dancing yes. with the plant, which I have avoided As heard posting. On Citizen Podcast. <laughs> I mean, Shannon's dancing is just yeah, it's infamous. We we had a dance party many. in your living room. Many. Well, yes, many. But there's this one particular one where it was literally just you and me, me for like <laughs> three hours. <laughs> for like kind of a weird amount like of time. It was like very long party, time. Except Shannon and I. And it was like... Nothing was going on either. It wasn't like we were at a party. It was like Sunday afternoon. Yep. And we're like, we're having <laughs> a dance Carrie party Shannon's. tonight. Oh my God. And we... Sw I remember we were sweating. Per like we were... We danced. This is during the pandemic. So I think we were yes. cooped up. We were feeling probably really static. We danced 
so hard. Like we were soaked in sweat. Yeah. Drenched. No, I, I, I've never danced with another person. <laughs> like I was, I was like, I was at a it, wedding. It was like a marathon. <laughs> I was soaked. Was like my, <laughs> it was a whole situation. Oh my God. I love dancing with you. I love your playlists. Mm-hmm. You're good for a get down. I love a get down. Yeah. I love dancing and I love, I love play. And I love also that like, as much as we've shared hard stuff, we've shared so much joy in this house. I'm mm-hmm. going to cry because what people don't know is like I'm moving out of the house now. And so like where Shannon and I are also live on this podcast processing. <laughs> yes. We're going to be uncoupling, <laughs> consciously uncoupling in the next couple <sighs> months. And so, yeah, so this is like our, our tribute. This is our tribute podcast to Aww. our to our time here. A ritual holding this in space and time forever. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I want to give a special shout out to our community of supporters on Patreon who are making it possible for us to do this work. Especially in a moment when we are being called to work harder than ever to expose the inequities in our systems and advocate for the policies that take care of everyone. Citizen Podcast was designed for truth seekers, bridge builders, and emerging activists who are yearning to make a difference. We're not afraid to ask hard questions and have radical dialogue about politics and patriarchy, white supremacy and worthiness, and we're serious about showing up for one another and taking action for the well-being of everyone. But we can't do it alone. And building this community on Patreon is our way of sustaining this work in relationship and in accountability with you. By joining our community for as little as $2 per month, you help us create content and resources that matter to this moment. And you get lots of good stuff from us, like early access to our episodes, live meetups with guests, ally toolkits, and exclusive content. Not only does community support keep us going, but it keeps us accountable and real and pushing the envelope of courageous conversations that are independent, transparent, and authentic. Please join us at patreon.com slash citizen well. Um, all right, I want to talk more about, I don't want to talk about sex and relationship, but no, I do. Actually, I want to talk more about sex and relationship because because um, I think your book, so I want to say like your book, your book talks a lot about relationship and your book was kind of inspired by a relationship that yep. you had and you write about that in your book and the role of, of navigating one's truth in relationship um, when often truths are in conflict. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you called it the inconvenient truth. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, you know, um, dating sucks because it's a minefield of past wounding coupled with no foundation of trust. Coupled with performance. Performance. Yeah. And there's no, tr- there's no trust yeah. yet. And when you're first dating someone, why should they trust me? And why should I trust them? And, and there's so much ghosting that happens in online dating. Like the person will just disappear. One person will just fall off. Like that's a norm now. It's so normal. It's so normal to just, you know, you just fall off. You just disappear. And or someone, you know, will reach out and be like, hey, I'd love to hang out with you again. And there's just no response. And and so the the attachment wound gets perpetuated and perpetuated. Mm-hmm. And it's like this cycle of people hurting each other. And I I it's precarious in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm tempted to say, especially in the gay community, but I don't know if that's just my experience. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, I think it happens across communities. And I just didn't feel good about being a dick, like being an asshole to people that I genuinely liked, but I didn't feel a romantic future with them. Yeah. Like maybe we go on one or two dates. And my truth is that this is a no for me. And then it's like, okay, I'm in a position now where this person is is kind of into me. Like I can feel that they want more and I can feel myself being like, no. 
So how do I reject this person's bid for more connection kindly, lovingly, and honestly? How do I honor my truth and communicate it to them, honoring their humanity also, but, but also just be really real with them? And what I, I just have reframed, I think like telling people your truth is a gift, they might be pissed about it. Mm, they might that. be angry. They might be disappointed. They might be rejected. It might trigger their uh, attachment wounds or their past relationship stuff. It might do all of that stuff. But to keep people like hanging and lingering and wondering and hoping, I think that that's violent. I think that that's mean. I think it's cruel. And and yet we all do it. I Even as I sit here on my pulpit of like, we should do better. I still have done this mm-hmm. from time to time. It just, it ends up happening. Mm-hmm. But I, but my commitment is to try and communicate to people when it's a no for me. Um, and to do it honestly and lovingly and kindly and clearly that you, this is over. You are so good at this. And I, and I, I'm going to plug your social media feed again, because sometimes you share your breakup texts with people or your breakup conversations with people, which I think is really helpful, right? Like that people have some modeling and some words around like, here's a way to be in integrity with your truth, right? That's really what you're saying is like, I have to honor my truth. And it's also making me think about how often when we withhold our truth, how there's like, how there's often codependency in there, Mm, or it's like, mm. or it's like, um, you, you don't, you, you want to like not, um, cause that person discomfort or cause them pain. It's like caretaking, you know, it's yes. like a really toxic form of caretaking when in fact you actually just don't even let them have an experience. You re- you actually withhold an experience from someone mm-hmm. by like not engaging them in the conversation. Yes. Yeah. And, and I see it as selfish because if I have clarity, yeah. why should I withhold my clarity from them? They deserve to know my clarity because they could spend another week, two weeks thinking about me. I mean, like wondering if we're going to meet again, wondering if I'm just busy. Like if I have clarity, it's generous and but it's also, I think, appropriate and just in integrity to communicate the clarity. And and like you're like you're saying, let people have their response. Don't caretake. And what's wild is the reason I share them on social media is because I find it for me to send some of these texts that I've sent to people takes so much work for me. Mm. I don't want to. I don't want to have to. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do I owe this person? We mm-hmm. went on one fucking mm-hmm. date. Um, you have to deal with your own discomfort. Yeah, I, I, I'm still maybe in the process of getting clear. Yeah. You know, do I want to explore it more? Do I not want? So. So I've experienced the days, like three or four days it'll take me to write one of those texts. And so I understand why people don't do that work because it's it kind of just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so I so I thought by if I share this, maybe people will resonate with it. And, I, and then it turns out that I think a lot of people are like, oh, my God, because it's kind of radical, which is so weird. Why is this radical <laughs> to just be honest with someone about? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It it shouldn't be radical. And yet, and yet it's I'm just thinking about how like we live in a culture of conflict avoidance, right? And what you're describing is like a really healthy approach to conflict, right? And to confrontation. Um, and I'm just thinking about how like what what you're describing the kind of truth telling that you're talking about and you write a ton about this in the book also translates to conversations of about oppression. Mm. Right? And difference mm. um and inequality, right? And how often we withhold our truth either because it's riskier for some of us or because we're taking care of someone else's fragile feelings. And how much of a disservice that does to like the the the, the the larger conversation and the and the the possibility of of progress and transformation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also just want to say that for anyone who's listening to this and doesn't feel safe for whatever reason, yeah, speaking their truth to someone and and closing something out, that that's okay too. Yeah, because I do get like if you have had like someone get aggressive or violent with yeah. you in response to reject. Cause be, it, I mean, it's scary. It's like, yeah. I'm going to reject them. 
I don't know how this person who I don't have a foundation of trust with is going to respond to that. That's right. Um, so there's risk. There's risk. But I, w- I will say, and this could just be luck of the draw or maybe like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But um, people have, have said thank you. Mm. Like pretty much everyone is like, thank you so much for letting me know. Well, it's a very human thing to do, to be like, I acknowledge that you're a human. Yes. Right? With like, you know, that des- that deserves a response from me. And mm-hmm. I respect you enough to give it to you. you yes. Know? It makes me think also about accountability as like the way in which um, we include each other and take care of each other. Like when we hold one another accountable, you know, what we're really doing is saying that like you matter. Yep. You know, because there are a lot of people that I've, I've, I don't hold accountable and it's usually because I just don't care. Mm, mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like when you actually go out of yes. your way to intervene or to engage or to pull someone aside and be like, I want to give you this feedback. It's an act of love. It's a total like act of radical love. Mm. Um, and and yet because of dominant culture, because of how we understand accountability as punitive, right? Yeah. We don't we don't have that relationship with accountability. It's why people avoid it. But I just mm-hmm. feel like what you're modeling in your book and in your social media feeds and with dating, <laughs> among other things, um, is really, really, really important because that's the culture shift we need, right? Well, and there's I just one more thing I want to say about this is I there's also a selfish component too, which I think can be motivating also is like, I don't want there to be, if I can minimize like people, well, first of all, I want to minimize hurting people of course, first and foremost, but I also just don't want there to be like a bunch of people who are like, fuck that guy or who, you know, who like hold this incompletion with me. Because I, I see it as a karmic, yeah. it feels like a karmic hook to something that's incomplete. And then there's just kind of a, a cloudy bit of messiness around my my field. Yeah. And so there's also like a self-motivating, like, I just want to be clear. Yeah. And like, and and let people go because it's like, or not let people go, but let well, yeah, those experiences yeah. go, you know? Um it almost feels I love what you were just saying around like the muddiness and the messiness of like not honoring your truth and how like honoring your truth and working with your truth, especially in relationship where it's more precarious, um, is, is almost like cleanup, right? It's like you just have to like you you have to like maintain. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's maintenance. Practice. Yeah. It's practice, it's maintenance, it's like what do they say? You can't get clean off of yesterday's shower, although it may be like a couple days, like <laughs> pandemic style. But or like you, like you don't just do yoga once, or you don't just meditate once. Like th- it is a practice, and I mean, and this is what I mean. Your work is so brilliant. The way that you model this and practice this is how do we take these practices into relationship? Mm-hmm. That I mean, that's where the I don't want to minimize self practice because mm-hmm. it's so important. Mm-hmm. And it is foundational. But it's never just self, to your point. Right. It's re- it's relational. We're not independent, isolated, like separate beings, right? Like we're interconnected with everyone and everything around us. And so it's never not relational. Yeah. When I do yoga, I'm like, I'm like, there's my dad and there's my mom. And like, I'm dealing with this and emotions are... Co-. So even like, even a solo, quote unquote, solo practice is still relating to all of this unfinished business that we sometimes have with with people and yeah and our and ourselves and i feel like it's funny because um you 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 talk a lot about integrity in the book also one of my favorite words mm. right also one of my favorite words and i saw that you defined it integer is like the the um the root of the word integrity which mm-hmm. means to become whole it's mm. like my favorite favorite thing and and that when you honor your truth right um, when you're living in integrity, it's a process, right, mm-hmm. of returning to wholeness. Mm-hmm. And I love that so much. And it's just making me think about how often when a truth is being revealed to me, um, or if I'm reckoning with a truth, or maybe realizing a truth that I've buried, you know, that I've like shut down and locked in a lockbox somewhere <laughs> in my body, Um that what accompanies it is is discomfort. Like there's like a there's like a physical 
recoiling, like, ah, you know, mm. panic, anxiety, um, you know, discomfort. Even sometimes for me, like pain can manifest, right? Mm. Like there's like a visceral component to it. And as I was reading about that, I was just thinking about how wouldn't it be amazing if we if we changed our relationship with discomfort and when we felt discomfort rise up because a truth is being revealed instead of denying it and avoiding it we 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 got curious about it yeah like what is this what is this thing wait something's happening in me and like i need to pay attention to that because something needs something needs resolution or something mm. needs to be revealed or something needs to come to this like i just feel like there's some there's an invitation inside of that that feels so essential to how we heal yes yeah and it's 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 that again the conflict avoidance is the pain avoidance it's the shame avoidance it's Right. That's broken, bad, and wrong about me, or that sensation is too scary, so I don't want to look at it. Which, I mean, R E S P E C T. Like, yeah. In some moments, that might be the right thing to do. But if we never, I mean, it's also integrity is integration. Yes. And and we can't go through this human experience without becoming disintegrated. Uh, the like the moment. You know, we're when we're in the womb, we're experiencing a an experience of oneness. Our needs are immediately met. We're connected to the umbilical cord of the mother, um, and then that gets broken at birth. Mm-hmm. And there and there's an experience of of trauma at birth. There's a breaking. There's a disconnection, and all of a sudden, we need to have relationship yeah. to have our needs met. Um, and then life happens and shit happens and trauma happens and family and dynamics happen and systemic. Up. Yeah. And we become disintegrated. And, and hardened. Mm-hmm. Hardened around our disintegration. And integrity, integer, integrare is to become whole. And so it's like, I, I just, I feel like they're threads that we pull back into our woven basket like there's these just disintegrated threads and it's Mm. like how do I reintegrate this part of me that got really hurt injured wounded scared fucked by that experience and then through through new relationships and new moments I mean hopefully um we get to experience something new that's reparative Mm um Mm. But we will also experience more ruptures too. And so it's, um, yeah, that just that, that like integration process of like that, that willingness to, to your point, look at those, those uncomfortable, scary things. Who can we look at those things with? Like, is it a therapist? Is it a minister? Is it a trusted loved one? Is it a friend? Is it a family member? Like, who are the people who we can, like, sit with and be real with and practice being loved with? I feel like you're so, so good at this. And I know you're you're um, in the process of becoming a therapist right now. So, like, and and this is one of the things I also just want to love about you is that everything you write about in this book you walk like you are mm. like you are living this book like right it is it is clearly your your life's work and you're 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 not just living it in theory like i see you practicing and applying and deepening the work all the time and it's not just in your dating life <laughs> right it's also in your friendships and it's in your professional work right it's with your clients and um and i'm always like amazed when you tell me stories of how you've like confronted someone that's hurt you or how you've like like given someone critical feedback like I just think that that skill that I see you refining Mm. right over Mm. and over and over and over again is something it's like a muscle that we all need to build um and and I'm just like I it makes me wonder like imagine if we all had that skill I'm just thinking about it even politically. Like imagine if we all had a skill around um, confrontation and Mm. conflict that um, was superhuman, right? Like that was like that respected the humanity of the other person, but also honored the the truth and the knowing that we each have, like how our conversations would sound different and, and maybe our political landscape would feel 
really different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like, I, I, I so appreciate that like reflection. And, and I also like, as I hear that, I hold the, the years of, of, um, injury and, and toxic processing of feedback that has like forced me <laughs> that you had to go to through. finesse this skill yeah. because like I grew up, um, I grew up when I had conflict in me that I needed to communicate growing up. It could, it was not handled. It could not be like, I was too intense. I was too much. So if I had a problem that was like connected to the family dynamic, I was the problem because I was naming it, mm -hmm. because I was affected by it, because I was pissed by it, because I had an issue about it. And so I, I had so much learned experience that when I communicate something important to me, the world, my world explodes. Mm -hmm. And, and it's only been, I mean, this is an ongoing practice because I continue to have like inner explosions where mm -hmm. I fear that no one is going to be able to hear me or understand mm -hmm. me. And yet at the same time, there is a fire in me that is communicating that this is so important mm -hmm. that I must communicate this. And that's the thing your book is, is pointing people to, right? You're like, listen to that voice. Yes. Like, yeah, listen to that voice that... Um, that urgent need within yourself and then cultivate a way to bring that out into the world in a way that is, that is healthy to self and others. Mm -hmm. um, and so mm -hmm. just like that, that finessing of, of, uh, and, and that relearning yeah. of every time I bring up something that's uncomfortable to someone, I am in the practice of, being totally scared that I'm going to explode the relationship and, and mostly thankfully having a reparative experience of, of yeah, realizing that like conflict can happen and people can be okay. That reminds me of a quote that I saw the other day that totally made me think of you. It said, um, critical feedback given with grace is one of the highest forms of care. Hmm. I was mm. like, can we all do that, please? <laughs> right. Right. I feel uh, like this is your next book, by the way. Oh, wow. Like how to <laughs> how to break up with people and how to give really good feedback. Or like I really do. Like I think that your 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 skill around this is like epic. Critical critical feedback given with care. Given with no, grace. Given with grace is one of the highest forms of care. I don't remember where I saw it. I saw it on Instagram. So I just want to like name that, that there's someone brilliant that said that and I don't remember. But. Yeah. Well, and like I, whenever you tell me that I'm good at this, I'm like, oh my God. Like. <laughs> you are so good. I'm like, wow. Like you're like the queen of the thing. I don't think I'm good at feedback. Actually, I think I'm actually quite shit at mm, it. Mm. I think I'm quite shit. I sugarcoat a lot. Um, I try to overcompensate. Like I, I really cloud the truth of what I'm saying with like mm. lots of flowery words and mm. re-encouragement that it, I think it can be very confusing yeah. for people to get feedback from me. Um, and some of that is like I'm taking care of them, which is about control. <laughs> and some of that is like I don't want to hurt people's feelings. But anyway, like I just like I watch you do it and I'm like, oh, that's how you do it. You know, I want to like write write notes down and well, yeah, and 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 it comes from a place for me that there is no other option. Yeah. Because the amount of toxic resentment that I'm capable of holding yeah. otherwise yeah. is harmful to myself, my body, and the relationship. Yeah. So so that's the way that I that it occurs to me that sees it as a need. Yeah. That like this must be done. And back to what you were saying earlier, especially to the people who I care most about. Yeah. Like it is it is a, the greatest form of care. It is like I love you so much that I have to talk to you about this. Yeah. Now this doesn't this doesn't make it any easier. Yeah. Um I I don't know. I don't think it gets easier, but I think what can happen is you can get more confident that the results can be healthy. Less afraid, maybe, mm -hmm. more courageous. The other thing I think that your book um, does that feels really radical is that 
And I'm just thinking about like how you wrote this book during a time when so many systemic truths were being revealed. Um, and, and many had been revealed for a very long time and were just <laughs> becoming visible to many people, right? But like, I'm just thinking about that too, how like, you, how like there's the truth of our inner knowing and then there's what we were taught. There's, mm. there, there's how we were conditioned. Um, there's who we were socialized and trained to be. And I feel like your book also inspired me to like be really discerning. Mm. about teasing those things apart, right? Like what is my actual truth and what is the should truth? Yes. Like the path I was told I should take or the education I was told is the absolute truth, right? About how we got here and who mm. we are. And and I feel like your book is an invitation to to ask hard questions about like, is that really fucking true? Yeah, and that that's the inquiry is... Yeah, that like you said, teasing apart, pulling apart. What is mine? Yeah. What do I want to choose for this life? Like Mary Oliver says, this like one wild and precious life, mm -hmm. and deconditioning, deconditioning from the oppressive systems that cause us harm and then cause us to cause harm mm -hmm. to others. Totally. And um, it's it's ongoing work, and I, and I think. But if we just develop that awareness of I actually don't have to attach my identity to the conditioning. Mm. Um, because I, I remember when I was having my like whole, and well, it's ongoing, of course, but when I was having an intensive experience around really waking up to racism and privilege and the privilege of like my whiteness and able-bodied cisgender male and, and all the, the things. Um, it was so disorienting mm -hmm. to my mental construct of the world that I thought I lived in. It's like hella cognitive dissonance, right? Yeah. It's and like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I, I remember, I remember like, learning the concept of being right-sized and like a lot of white people like taking up physical space mm. more than they like are even aware. Mm -hmm. um, and so I remember I was doing uh, a yoga nidra training with Tracy Stanley. Love her. And it was mostly women of color. And this was right around that time. And so I was just like shrinking in that space because I was like, I, I, I was like, I was walking on eggshells, afraid to like offend or do something wrong or make a mistake or unconsciously just be too big. Mm -hmm. Become invisible, right? Yeah. Fade into the wallpaper type of thing. Yeah. And, 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 and on one hand, I'm grateful that I have that awareness because I think that's the awareness we need to have is like, am I? Like that, that's the type of questioning I, that we need to do or I need to do as a white person is Am I taking up too much space? What am I unconscious of that I'm doing in this space? Um, and then what was so healing about that experience for me was I was getting too paranoid with it. Mm -hmm. And the feedback I got from Tracy and some of the other mm -hmm. participants in that training was like, was like, I remember Tracy saying to me, Shannon, do you think that I'm so small that you need to adjust your size for me? Mm -hmm. Whoa. Like, w we feel you recoiling, and we actually, like, need you to show up mm -hmm. here. And take up space. Yeah, and so... Authentic space, authentic not like... Authentic space. Yeah. Like, be myself. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I, I share that example because I was really struggling with, like, what's true? What is truth? Am I too big? Am I too small? Am I... Mm -hmm. And it was really uncomfortable and very disorienting. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the work. Mm -hmm. is is questioning our conditioning and finding how we can integrate it into who we are mm -hmm. so that we can show up with awareness, especially around marginalized communities, uh, depending on our positionality. But um, yeah, for me, that was that that's the ongoing practice. That was a pivotal moment in an ongoing practice. Of discernment. I love, and I love that story because, and I've had people say that to me too, you know, that, um, that, um, people of color, when I'm trying to be like a good white person, I'm putting that in, in air quotes, um, 
can can energetically feel me not bringing my whole self mm. and how that's a disservice to everyone. And so some of what I'm learning from you is is that like asking hard questions about how was I conditioned and socialized, right? Is this true? I'm even thinking of how like, is this true that inquiry is related to trauma, right? And how trauma, right, um, um, enables us to create stories and patterns and types of behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. That often become a thing other than what it was, right? So it's like, so like being in this radical inquiry, and this is what your book is inviting, being in this radical inquiry around, is that true? right is not the same as smalling down like mm. you can you can be critical you can ask hard questions you can decide that everything i have learned is untrue and that doesn't mean that you as like a, a human being right aren't truth and wholeness still mm. right mm -hmm. it's just like how do we shed and still st you know stay our whole self still participate fully in the human experience still give everything we've got in relationship and i really love um, that nuance that you're bringing to the to to the conversation. Yeah, and it and 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 it's in relationship. Mm -hmm. Like I was called to that training, and I needed to hear that from Tracy. Mm -hmm. And I love Tracy, and I respect Tracy, and she and I have mentorship and friendship, and and so the and this is something I've learned from you is that the healing is in relationship. Yeah, we heal together, and and what are what are and you're so good at this is being in relationship with people, being in real intimate relationship, contact, checking in on people, not just me on the other side of your wall, but like- <laughs> Knock, knock. <laughs> so thank you for modeling that- I love To that. so many people because it's a practice and it's, and it's new, it's new patterning for totally. so many of us. It's such a, it's so divergent from, um, how we've been trained to be individualized and to assume we are isolated and to to you know become self-sufficient and independent and you're right like you know um and I will go after self-help like all the way like I actually think this illusion that we can we can connect to our whole truth independent like out of relationship is bullshit, mm. right? Like I think we can meditate and we can listen and we can learn to trust our truth as is the name of your book. We can learn to work more effectively with our intuition, right? And with our, and um, we are not independent beings, right? And And actually in my experience, it's been relationship that has been the mirror that has invited me to see so much more clearly mm. into like both who I am and what's possible, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's um, it's the the individual. Let me not need anyone. Yeah. What a coping strategy that is, because what a toxic coping strategy that yeah. is. Yeah, but it's like if I just don't need anyone, then I'll always be able to control and figure this out. It's like, and it's. It's not possible. Well, and we have it's an epidemic possible. of loneliness, right? There's all this research around the cost of loneliness and social isolation that is a product of the myth of individualism, right? And so like, I feel like, and I actually feel like in some ways we're bringing this conversation completely full circle because it's like- And also preparing for <laughs> something coming in the works, AKA Carrie's book. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Where are you going with this? I was like, I'm not pregnant, Shannon. <laughs> yes, you are. Where, uh, yeah, I am. I'm going to birth a damn book at some point after your book. But no, but I was just, I was actually bringing it back to how grateful I am for mm. the experience I've had here with you mm. and how living, you know, in this configuration with you, right? Um, and with Trevor and, and learning how to be a family during really challenging and uncertain times taught me so much about um, how essential relationship is to healing mm. and to survival, mm -hmm. right? And to survival. Mm -hmm. And um, fuck, I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you. <laughs> and no, I, I have like a radius that is the, the distance <laughs> you are allowed to move your body from me. Okay. Let me know what that is so I can find a new place to live, Shannon. Oh, Shannon, I'm so, um, I, I don't have like, I don't have enough time to tell you all the things I love about you, but um, I'm grateful for what I've learned from you. And mm. I'm also grateful for the way in which you've held me in this really intimate <laughs> environment. 
with um, my whole humanity and with respect and with dignity and mm. with kindness and with joy and with real talk and with truth. I mean, I just, I've learned so much over the last couple of years and I'm always, always, always going to take that with me. I love you so much. Oh my God, You are so forever family. Much. Like, try and get rid of me. You can't. I am never going to, are you kidding me? <laughs> We're going to adopt you and you can come with us wherever we go next. <laughs> We're just going to take you everywhere with us. Although in the future, I hope that you're not celibate when you live with us. <laughs> oh, yes. The celibacy needs to end. Could it be you, Would L I, listener? Listener, could you be the one to oh my break God, did the I just, spell? <laughs> did I just <laughs> we can edit hit that on out your entire... <laughs> All a citizen podcast. Wow, I think I'm you just so told desperate. the entire world that you are available for Ow, love. For yes, love. and that is what this podcast is. Maybe that's what I'm going to name the podcast. Like available for love. Oh my gosh. Okay, Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? Yes. Has to like take us out here, that's right, Trevor. Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Shannon. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. I love you. Yes, I am. I am. While this podcast is coming to an end, our work in the world is just beginning. This week's call to action is to trust your truth, to lean into the hard conversations and awkward conflicts with love and generosity. You can buy Shannon's book, Trust Your Truth, at shannonalgio.com, and be sure to follow Shannon's very inspiring and often entertaining Instagram feed at shannon.algio. Special shout out to DJ Drez for the amazing soundtrack. You can check out his music at djdrez.com. To our executive producer who puts it all together and makes it sound great, Trevor Exter. And to the amazing team at Citizen Well that is bringing our mission to life, thank you. And thank you all for being here today. You can stay in the know and engaged by subscribing to our free weekly newsletter, Well Read, at citizenwell.org. Citizen Podcast is community-inspired and crowdsourced. That's how we keep it real. Join our community on Patreon for as little as $2 per month so that we can keep doing the work of curating content that matters for citizens who care. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. And share the love, y'all, by telling your friends to check us out. <laughs>